Well, how are you? It's Larry here, LarryGMcGuire.com. Welcome along to the Daily Larb. Uh, I haven't seen you, or haven't heard you, or you haven't heard me, rather, which would be more accurate, in a few days. Uh, I haven't been lying low, per se. I've been working my arse off, and um, just loads of stuff to do. College, uh, the day job, kids, etc. And the knock-on effect of that is I generally... Uh, when things are hectic, there's no time to ponder, you know, the big questions. And uh, I find it necessary to do so uh, if I have uh, some material to create. I've got to have that space where I can think and uh, notice things. Because, you know, I'm sure you know yourself, when you're busy, uh, it's hard to notice anything, you know, when you're completely focused in on one thing. And that's not healthy either. Uh uh, sure there's times when uh, focus helps you get things done but being in that heightened state of um, mind for too long it tends to burn you out so uh, I don't like it and I'm not taking any more on for the rest of this month uh, in fact until probably the end of April because of a book to publish next month haven't I the artist manifesto and that's out next month, so I'm busying myself with that, although the last week hasn't been very productive in that regard, so uh, I need to get back into it. need to take the foot off the gas in terms of the day job a little bit, focus in on that, focus in on uh, the process related to creating these podcast episodes. So uh, this evening, uh, however, I do have some material that I want to share with you, and uh, I was reminded of it uh, recently, in recent days, uh, a time when I was a kid and um, when I was the age my boys are at now, which is around 10 or 11, we'd have a, an open fire at home and, you know, be fueled with solid fuel coal and stuff and peat briquettes uh, and turf, you know. And uh, the open fire, although... Some say now, or I suppose the the given uh, angle is that open fires aren't very efficient. Most of the heat just disappears up, up the chimney pot. Uh, uh, the modern um, insert fires and stoves, potbelly stoves and that, uh, seemingly are more efficient. So we decided to uh, get one here in the house and um, I was brought back to my youth when it was my job to uh, clean out the fire the next day. Uh, not every day. Well, um, could have been when I came home from school or whatever, but uh, from the night before, you know, uh, shovel out the ashes into uh, the biscuit tin. The tin biscuit tin. The old afternoon tea. Now, if you're not Irish, you're probably not familiar with the afternoon tea. I think it was Jacob's made them. They still do. Uh, you get them at Christmas time, and all the mothers, all the mothers used to hang on to the empty tins and uh, use them for various uh, purposes around the house. Well, we used to use ours for shoveling ashes from the fire out into, and then we dumped them. I don't know what we did with them. Did we throw them into the garden? Maybe, or maybe they just went into the bin, the regular bin. But uh, they'd probably stay on the doorstep out the back of the house for a day, and then the next morning when you were shoveling out the night before's uh, ashes from the hearth, you'd empty the, the ones from yesterday because you'd know they'd be cold. But uh, a lot of the time you'd be shoveling out the, the the ashes from the night before and it'd still be hot. It'd still be red, you know. 
But uh, anyway, that was my job. And, and uh, over the last couple of days, we had one fitted here at home in the house. And there's never been an open fire here uh, or a, a fire of any sort since we moved in about, uh, what is it now? Oh, would have been around, uh, well, Rory is 12. So I'm guessing, um, well, he's 12, thir- about 13, 14 years ago. And even before that, our Land Doyle, who used to live here, uh, was in a care home for a good few years. So I'd say 15, 16, 17 years since the fire was lit. And today is uh, there's a fire lit, so it's great. And uh, we got one of those cast iron efficient jokes with a door on it, you know. But uh, my God, well, uh, the the process and the rigmarole of that thing being installed was just something else. And um, I thought it'd be good to just tell you about that because uh, it reminds me about um, the process of making things, you know, of uh, carrying out your craft, whatever it happens to be. I mean, these guys seemingly have been installing fires for 30 years and are dab hands. Now, I'm sure they know it inside out, but by Jesus, they were rough as a bear's arse. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, nice men, older gentlemen, really nice, salt of the earth people, but they were dirty and they were a little bit disorganised and haphazard about how they done things. Um, now they still got the job done, and by and large were pretty happy with it. But there was no survey done beforehand. I think that's probably the biggest thing that stands out for me about it. Uh, they came in and had a look around and measured up the fireplace and stuff and uh, got all of that right. But when it came to the flue, which is, you know what a flue is, right? It's the smoke from the fire it goes up through the flue and out through the chimney stack, the top of your house. Um, they never surveyed the flue. So when it came to installing the flue liner in the flue, they had a serious problem because the flue... Um, wasn't direct, you know. Took a lot of bends up to, up to the roof, and with the nature of this house being built in the nineteen sixties, there was four rooms with fireplaces, and uh, I don't know whatever whatever route the flues take, um, they're not direct. Anyway, it caused the guys problems in the breakout walls, and there was there was dust and shit flying everywhere, and my missus wasn't very happy and. I wasn't too happy either because, you see, I'm very particular. And uh, when it comes to these things, <laughs> when when I see guys doing things in a particular way, that is a little bit disorganised from my perspective and a little bit shoddy, it tends to kind of make me want to scream, you know. <laughs> and uh, because... It's vitally important to me that when I work, that I have a clean space to work, you know? Like, we're talking about craftsmen here. We're talking about carpenters and plumbers and electricians and, in this case, fireplace installers, okay? I don't know. Is that is that even a trade? I don't even know what to call, what to call the trade. But these guys install fires every day of the week. And uh, they were just really dirty, and they took no... Um, care about the home they were working in they threw a couple of tarpaulins down on one or two things but by and large they just went for it and with the result there was just shit everywhere 
you know, dirty footprints up the stairs and dust on everything. And uh, anyway, the route to the final result was very messy and all over the place. And it doesn't have to be like that, you know. Uh, personally speaking, from for me, I need a very structured way in carrying out my work. And it has to be, I've got to have a clean space and the stuff has to be organised properly and where I can get it quickly. And when you're working in someone's home, it's vitally important that you 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 are conscious of uh, the fact that it's somebody's home, you know. And um, if you don't take the necessary steps in ensuring that, you know, your workplace is tidy, it's it's just like the height of poor workmanship, in my opinion. Anyway, they got the job done, uh, but there's a problem, and I've no doubt they'll sort out the problem. But uh, the back of the the back of the fire, the cast iron fire, when when the lad lit the first fire, it split. You could hear a bang, bang, and there's a there's a split in the cast iron at the back. So I don't know what they're gonna have to do. Maybe they'll have to whip it out and put in a new one. However, it's a beautiful thing. All of that aside, they got the job done, and. Um, it's a it's a beautiful thing because in the front room now there's a fire blazing and uh, it's heating the whole downstairs, um and it's lovely now I have a space where I can sit and read a book, uh, while the others are watching television if that's what they want to do because beforehand we were all kind of stuck in the one place the one kind of communal family zone where we all kind of gathered the TV is in the in the center of that room on the wall, and. Uh, wasn't possible to install a fire there so uh, we installed it in the front room and it, there's no tv in that room so uh, happy with that but uh, it all just brought up those memories of uh, childhood and also uh, you know the nature of the creative thing no matter what you're creating um, and the importance of having a structure that is actually uh, beneficial to you getting your work done and also beneficial to the people who you're actually or the place where you're actually carrying out the work. Now I realise not not all of you will be in someone else's place, whether it's in their business or or in their homes when you're making your thing. Although it could be, if you're if you were uh, an artist, you could be um, drawing or painting a mural in someone's workspace. Uh, it's important to keep your stuff organised in a in a in a in a manner that respects their their place of work and allows you to get your work done um, if you're working in someone's home or whatever I just think it's important you know and uh, it's funny though you know we get all caught up and worked up about uh, these things that people aren't maybe adhering to uh, how we might do things and uh, at the end of the day it just gets done as well you know it gets done anyway the job gets done and it's like um, it's like the dishwasher I've spoken about the dishwasher before. If you haven't read the dishwasher, it's an article on my site, larrygmaguire.com. Uh, it's a bit of a jab at myself, really, about my kind of hypersensitive <laughs> way about how things should be done. But uh, my missus loads the dishwasher in a very disorganised manner, and I'm very organised in how I load the dishwasher. And uh, at the end of the day, the stuff gets cleaned pretty much just the same it, there are benefits in doing it my way of course because uh, the end result is just that little bit better 
I think that's important, right? So if you were to refer that to or measure your own creative process against the results that you get, I think it's it's important to have some degree of attention to detail over your process, you know. Now the process, like as in uh, the artist manifesto says, mostly creates itself, you know, if you get out of its way. But there are benefits in applying some um, measured approaches to doing things, you know, like having your materials organized and neatly in a, in a place where you can continue to go back, where, where stuff is where you expect it to be, you know. Like, I don't understand how a creative person, let's say you're a painter, or 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 or, or um, uh, maybe you draw. I don't understand how you could possibly be efficient in your work if your stuff is just fucked around all over the place. And um, you probably have some structure to the place where you work. Um, I think it's important, you know. However, we got our fire, and it's a it's a beautiful thing, and uh, I'm happy it's in. I don't think it's over yet. I think the lads are going to be back. But, uh, you know, I should say at the start, I had a feeling, you know, and you you should always trust your gut. And I didn't, I did trust my gut. And I said, you know what? I said to me, Mrs. Listen, uh, I think we should go option B here. I think we should go with this supplier. I don't think, I haven't got a good feeling about this supplier over here. And she said, and she said, oh, well, um, should just go with them like they're 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 local and all this kind of thing and i'm going yeah maybe and had a conversation with the guy and i didn't like how that conversation went it was a bit wishy-washy and uh my gut told me you know what uh go with somebody else you know and i didn't i said listen okay whatever you want to do here's the prices you pick who you want to pick so she picked these guys and i said right fair enough and um i should have just gone with my gut and stuck with that at the start but anyway Oh, say la vie, chine, as they say. Um, however, now I want to completely change the subject. And I want to talk to you about stress and anxiety. And the reason why I want to bring that up is because, well, I've been studying it a little bit. Um, been doing a bit of research for an assignment, college assignment. And... Um, it links into some other stuff that I've been listening to and reading up on recently and my own observations about myself and uh, a book I'm reading too, a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, a uh, Holocaust survivor. And um, with regard to stress, uh, we do get worked up about a lot of things, don't we? Um I got worked up about the lads installing the fire arseways. Well, maybe not arseways, but maybe going about it in a less than efficient and a less than uh, perfect way. Um, not that I'm any expert on fire installations, but I know this kind of stuff, you know. I've been around it long enough and I've worked in building sites since I was about 14. So I know this stuff, you know, and I know there's a better way. When I see fellas doing something in a particular in a particular way, I kind of look at it and go, "Hold on a minute, what are you doing? You know, give me that thing and I'll show you how you should be doing this." You know, uh, maybe there's a, a a little bit of arrogance there on my part, but uh, 
I'm just good at what I do and 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 that's it. But anyway, um yeah, so we get a little bit worked up and I get worked up about stuff. I get worked up about the L one that's driving like ten kilometers an hour ahead of me uh when I need to get somewhere. I get worked up with my kids when they're doing stuff that I'd rather they didn't do. I get worked up with my missus when, you know, um she leaves the kitchen like a bomb hit it every time she cooks, you know what I mean? I get worked up with a lot of stuff that you know is really quite trivial and we're all the same but i think it's important that uh, we realize even if we don't do anything about it in that particular moment um i think it's important that we realize and can see ourselves and our behavior for what it is you know now i don't mean to be judgmental on ourselves about it or beat ourselves up because we're behaving in such a way that we shouldn't behave i think if you're in the moment and you react well then you brought yourself there and the only one that's responsible for that particular behavior is you but that doesn't mean that you kick yourself up and down the street over it you know observe it if it's not what you'd like well then resign yourself to doing something about it but when you're in that kind of red hot minute a red hot moment of of uh, anger or stress or anxiety about something, it's already too late, really, isn't it? I mean, you're in it. Uh, you're you're on fire somewhere, and you need to uh, you need to express it. You need to let it out. A lot of people think that you know, oh, I shouldn't I shouldn't behave this way. You know, passive aggressive type stuff. And uh, I know I feel really cross about this, but I should know better, so I won't react. And that's almost worse, you know what I mean? It is worse. There's no almost about it. Um, I believe if you're stressed and you're anxious and you're angry, you gotta let it out. Uh but when you when you notice it, when you see yourself, when you see that fire rising up inside you and you don't like it, well, maybe it's enough to make you wanna change your behaviour and that takes time, you know, because you see there's momentum in these things. There's momentum of thought, there's momentum of uh, uh, biological and and chemical processes in the brain and the body. There's momentum in all of us. And then it's you and me on the end of that, uh, in the experience of it occurring, you know. Um, and uh, if we don't like what we see, we we do have the power to do something about it. But it takes a bit of time and a bit of practice. Just like it took a bit of time and a bit of practice for you to get into that mode in the first place. Because, let's face it, you weren't born that way, you know. Maybe, although I should I should acknowledge that our behaviour, our subsequent behaviour through childhood, adolescence, uh, into young adulthood, adulthood, etc., is all preempted by uh, maybe our genetic makeup, uh, what we inherited from those who came before us. Now, that doesn't mean that that's written in stone. That can be changed. That can be changed. Epigenetics is a is a known and accepted uh, scientific a- arena of study, and it is uh, the study of how our genetic structures can change by virtue of our environment. Right. So, the genetics that we were born with are not uh, set in stone. Like I said, you can do something about it. So, if you've got a fat gene, don't just accept that you're going to be a fat fucker for the rest of your life. Yeah, do something about it, you know. You can. Uh, if you've got an aggressive gene, uh, don't accept that. You've got to live with that shit forever, because you don't. You can do something about that too. Um, but, 
I think if we're, we can accept that maybe how we behave isn't always um, ideal, you know, that's the start. And uh, anyway, so <clears throat> stress and anxiety, uh, it's a result, I think, a result of us trying to control the world, you know, trying to control everything. And uh, <clears throat> maybe on one level believing that we can control it, but then at a whole other level believing that we can't, you know. We we have these two kind of conflicting notions that we can control our lives, yet, hold on a minute, I didn't put myself here, I didn't choose to come here, someone else must have picked me to come here, because I wouldn't choose the life I got, you know, as if you didn't make it. I mean, I believe that we make it all. Or maybe we don't. Maybe we're just in observation of this thing. I mean, I, I in, in my own observation of my life to date, I'm 44, almost 44, uh, given my own life experience and, and the stuff that I read and, and contemplate and all that kind of thing, uh, it has become apparent to me that most of what's going on is going on and I have nothing to do with it, you know? Although although I do, there's this kind of dualistic thing going on, you know? It's, a, it's like I'm involved in it, it's like I am it, and yet it seems to operate without any input from me. It's almost like I'm at times I'm standing back from it, watching it happen, but then other times I'm completely engaged in it. It's like this uh, movement in and out, in and out the whole time. It's like your focus, your 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 psych content is is mo- moving continually through this so-called life experience, you know. And sometimes it feels like we're making it happen. And other times it feels like it's making us happen. And uh, it's a wonderful thing, really. Um, But stress and anxiety and acute stress, depression, acute levels and prolonged depression, I believe, comes about by virtue of this idea that we must be in control of our lives. And I... This thing that's happening to me has been imposed on me without my will. And I should be able to control it, but I can't. I can't do anything about it. Someone else has made me be this way. You know? So here we have this to and fro and this pulling and dragging of psychic content, of psychic energy, and we don't know how to place it. We don't know how to... We don't know how to place ourselves, whatever we decide ourselves, whatever we decide we are, you know. It's practically impossible, I have come to, so far at least, see that um, even to decide, even to come to some kind of conclusion about what I am is impossible. I don't even know. I've no clue. Some days it's obvious and sometimes some days it's not, you know? I think the reality of the situation is that the environment creates the human being and the human being creates the environment, whatever the human being is. Physic this physical thing, this physical physical psychic thing. Maybe the psychic thing is all one and the physical is just interchanging the whole time. And here we are, an observation of it all. It's crazy. But uh, stress and anxiety is um, 
is when we're so immersed, when we're so focused in this physical reality that we feel we have no control over this thing. And so we go looking for answers. And there's these self-help books, self-help books and uh, personal development material. It's everywhere. It's uh, The world is engulfed by it in this uh, ever search for answers about how to be happy, you know, <clears throat> and how to be free of all this stress and anxiety. I don't know. I, I don't have, have an answer for you. Um, I have an answer for me, all right, uh, but it's very difficult to put into words. In the study of it, in the research I've been doing, um, uh, a lot of uh, studies have been carried out on this subject and continue to be. Uh, there's a couple of things that um, I want to let you know about. The first one is that uh, on a chemical basis, on, a, on the basis of the brain, what's going on here is that you've got uh, the fight or flight part of the brain, the amygdala, some people refer to it as the uh, reptilian brain yeah whatever uh, it's it's considered to be one of the oldest parts of the brain of most fundamental not oldest but uh, fundamental in terms of uh, human development uh, it's fight or flight it's get out it's it's fight stay and fight or get the fuck out of there right it's kick ass or whatever so when when serotonin is produced it stimulates the amygdala and serotonin is a, is a chemical that the brain produces when you're under stress. Now, that's a good thing in short bursts. But over time, that's a very damaging um, chemical. It, uh, it stimulates the amygdala. The amygdala uh, is the primary area of the brain that dictates your, uh, your response to stressful situations. When that's on the go the whole time, boom, 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 you're up there. It's like there's... Too much cortisol in the brain. It restricts the growth in the prefrontal cortex. Prefrontal cortex is the area of the brain responsible for executive function, decision making, thinking. Hmm, I wonder about that. What about this? What about that? What am I going to make for dinner? I wonder if I'll go here. I wonder if I'll go there, etc., etc. You know, it's like um, uh, it's uh, it's the it's it's the steerer, the captain of the ship, you might say, um, and that's inhibited when uh, cortisol is produced the uh, hippocampus is also um, inhibited and uh, it's been shown that the hippocampus and prefrontal cortex have actually reduced in size uh, in uh, people who have uh, suffered prolonged stress and the amygdala uh, sorry the hippocampus is responsible for memory and it's responsible for learning and recall and stuff so you can see how in a difficult situation uh, with a with a um, uh, restricted uh, hippocampus and prefrontal cortex, the information that you that you would have available uh, is not available because you're so fucking stressed out, you know. And uh, it can be very damaging. Like it, it damages the cardiovascular system. It damages the the uh, immune system. It dam your whole body is affected, you know. And this is the life we live. This is how society is currently structured, you know. It's boom, 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 boom. Keep going, keep going. Eventually it just burns out like I've been there. Uh, completely self-imposed, I should say. Um, stress. 
And if you're feeling stress and anxiety, well, you're, you impose it on yourself too. You might point the finger and you say, oh, well, it's his fault or her fault or society's fault or the job's fault or whatever. But you brought yourself there, you know. I certainly don't have much. Well, I do have a certain degree of sympathy, um, but I don't have. It, it's not going to last too long, that sympathy for you, if that's what you're feeling, because you are responsible, just like I am responsible for the position that I put myself in, you know. And don't blame your parents, you know, or your social environment. Because if you're already conscious of the fact that these things are not uh, beneficial to you, when you should get the fuck out. You should do something about it. Now, the next question is how? Well, chill the fuck out for a start, you know. If you're in a job that's killing you, get out of the job. Do something else. Get a job doing something else, you know. I sat in my kitchen for two years. I didn't earn a bean. And uh, put a lot of stress on the family situation because uh, Larry wasn't earning any money. And, uh, well, we got over it. But, you know, um, I think you've got to take yourself out of play for a while and and accept that uh, you've got to do that. That's what I did. And uh, there's huge benefits in it, you know. I was able to mind the kids too. I was able to do other stuff. I began to write a little bit more, began to think a little bit more, began to uh, meditate. Mindfulness-based practices do help uh, deactivate the amygdala and uh, the prefrontal cortex has been seen to uh, be stimulated uh, in meditation. And really is just taking focus off stuff, you know, when you're on fire, like, you know, when your brain is just like burning your focus of attention on people and things and things you should do and appointments and stuff. It's just it's soul destroying, you know. And uh you really shouldn't take solace in the fact that the whole world behaves like this, you know. The fact that it's normal doesn't make it sane. Um the fact that most people do it makes it normal, but doesn't make it healthy. It doesn't make it beneficial uh, to you and me. Certainly not. And uh, there's no option when you're feeling stressed, anxious, depressed, to just get out of whatever you're doing. If it means taking yourself somewhere else, well then so be it. But uh, you should try meditation, that's for sure. It's a great benefit. You know, that quiet space where nothing's going on, where your focus of attention is just on the ticking of a clock, or the humming of your fridge, or... The boards outside, the starlings, or the blackboard, sitting on the chimney stack across in the house out the back window, and she's singing away in the summer's evening, and the sun is setting, and it's a beautiful thing, you know. And in that quiet sanctuary of only you, is everything you need, it really is. Um. It's uh, it's essential. And uh, without that, we end up stressed and anxious and depressed. And uh, there's no other option to uh, get out. So that's it uh, for now. If you're stressed or depressed, strung out because of perceived commitments to other people and other things, well, maybe it's a benefit and I do believe that 
all things are of benefit. There's no such thing as zero benefit in an experience. Because then what's the point in having an experience? I'm reading Viktor Frankl at the moment. For example, uh, his book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. And here's a bloke, uh, a psychiatrist, who lived in Vienna and had a practice. uh, Suddenly finds himself in a ghetto. And he loses his mother and father, I think his brother, his siblings as well. He loses his wife. They got married, I think, in their early 20s. Uh, he's in a concentration camp. His wife is in a concentration camp, uh, Auschwitz and other camps. And some, for some reason, for some, it's almost like, it's almost like it was designed. It's almost like he designed, there was something designed his escape from death. Because there's so many occasions in the book that he mentions where he could have easily died, and even the night before the camp he, where he was he was where where he was was liber- liberated, most of the inmates were taken away in trucks and burned to death in another camp down the road, and he was left behind with one or two others because there was no room you know and uh, he survived and that set of circumstances that lasted three years. Um, is seen by the world now as the most abhorrent event or series of events in the history of humanity. Now, I would hazard that equally abhorrent events have occurred over the course of modern human existence, where one group decides another group is less than human and decides to exterminate them. It's gone on, went on in the former Yugoslavia, didn't it? And it, it's gone on in Africa and it's gone on all over the planet for eons. Human beings completely absorbed by their animalistic, uh, real world, fucking physical reality set of ideals and decide that those people over there are not worth a damn and they're a threat to us so we got to take them out, you know. But it is, and it was... Um, a terrible, terrible thing that occurred. However, I should say this. The Nazi regime was funded. The Nazi regime was supported. The Nazi regime was allowed to proliferate its message. And it was allowed for a very long time to carry out those things that it carried out. And they were supplied. They were supplied with fuel, they were supplied with cars, uh, army vehicles, ammunition. Uh, they were supplied with, you name it, money. They didn't just pull it out of their arse. And they certainly went, were not uh, self-sufficient in all of that. They might have had um, munitions um, factories and they might have had uh, facilities where they assembled vehicles and stuff. But the trucks that they drove had Ford engines in them, for fuck's sake. So, businessmen across the world, and press, and media, and governments, were perfectly happy for this thing to go on. So everybody was in, was complicit in that at the time, and everybody was complete. Even the people who 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 sat at home and did nothing about it, and who read about it, or maybe were told about it, I knew Moria, but uh, didn't know Moria that it was going on, knew about it. There's a little bit of Hitler in everybody, I may add. Anyway, getting off the subject. The fact of the matter was, that 
event or that series of events or that the series of events that that man went through were of enormous benefit to him and if you read the book you'll see what I'm talking about and uh, there's nothing else to say if you haven't read it get yourself a copy and you'll see what I mean um, because he tells a tale uh, one particular one I remember uh, maybe around the middle of the book where he's in the Bavarian woods he's in skimpy little uh, prisoner uniform and a cap shoes that don't fit um, freezing, freezing cold sub-zero temperatures malnourished skin and bone people fellow comrades and Jewish and other nationalities dropping all around them and dying they're out working as slave labour digging the roads or building whatever they're building and he sees the sunrise and he acknowledges the sunrise and he tells how he's never been as happy in all his life and in that moment he has a realisation like an awakening of who he was and who he is you know like remarkable, remarkable, remarkable stuff. And uh, even in that, the height of stress, you know, where the human physical being has been beaten to a fraction of its life, um, that there is a benefit. And uh, Frankel is um, known for his uh, work in the school of uh, psychotherapy known as logotherapy uh, from the Greek term logos I mean I think logos is something to do with self Greek word I should know that anyway um, so really when you put it in perspective when we're so self absorbed in our own uh, problems in inverted commas we fail to see just how fortunate we actually are you know and uh my current life experience pales into insignificance compared to what the likes of Viktor Frankl and people who suffer, uh, really suffer, uh, went through. But even then, there's people who are worse off, you know, um, downward and upward social comparison almost, you know. Like, he he compared himself to other people in the camp and they took solace from the fact that they were in the position they were in and didn't have to suffer like these people over here when us to, to to us from the outside looking in all of these people suffered remarkably you know so stress stress and anxiety and depression it's all relative you know and there is a way out um but there's benefit in the experience and how long it lasts really is up to you and me and you better believe you better believe it that if that's what you're feeling you brought yourself there and it's only you that can get yourself out of it if you want to top yourself throw yourself off a bridge or hang yourself from a rope you can go ahead and do that you'll see the end of your current experience or maybe you won't maybe it'll continue as you transfer I don't know I can't tell you but uh, you're certainly certainly in charge of how long the experience lasts you know what I mean? Physical exercise is known to help big time. I know I was talking to a guy, uh, Alistair Brown, English guy. Uh, I met him the first time we were doing uh, the Quadraton in Donegal, four marathons in a row, and four, four marathons in four days, and uh, a couple of years back. Uh, really nice guy, and um, wrote an article for me on another site that I have about depression and how running 
and marathon running and all that kind of stuff really helped him cope and and actually he helps others now um through the depression through physical activity so physical activity uh really helps um boost our uh happiness levels you know and uh, so try that out try meditation too um and see if you can't change your own life experience so anyway, from uh, inset stove fires to anxiety and depression, we've got it all here on the this episode of the Daily Larm. But I'm going to wrap it up now, and uh, thank you for lasting this long and entertaining my musings on uh, life and uh, all that kind of lovely stuff. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. I will be, because I like doing this, and I don't like it when I miss days. Uh, I like the time to think, you know? And to ponder things. And to present my ideas. And share them. Even if I don't. Get uh, a whole pile of listens. Who knows. You know. I, I'm doing it for the sake of it. And that's what I promote. So. Uh, you better believe it. I'll keep it up. So thanks for listening. I appreciate it a lot. If you haven't got. Um, the Artist Manifesto. Yeah. Get over to LarryGMcGuire.com. And download a copy. It's there on the homepage. Uh, that's due for release next month. And uh, if you'd like to support me in my work, get over to patreon.com forward slash Larry G. McGuire. I'll uh, be resuming some free stuff over there shortly. So that's it for now. Hope you enjoy your weekend. I'm going to sign off 20 past 7. Is it? No, it's not. It's about half 8. Uh, or maybe a bit after that. I'll check you out tomorrow. Take it easy until then. All the best. Good luck.